This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter, Your Life is Too Short and Too Precious to Waste, written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford, available now everywhere you get audiobooks. Hey, Truce Podcast listeners, I've got a special request for you. There's a link in your show notes right now and on the website at trucepodcast.com for a listener survey. That survey will help me know how to serve you better. So if you're looking for a really quick, easy way to help Truce, please fill out the survey. Okay, back to the show. We've been asking a lot of big questions lately. Like, what is the difference between communism and socialism? And how do they impact the Christian church? Is the United States a Christian nation? We're in the middle of a series about how Russian communism impacted American Christianity. And to really understand that, we've talked about Russia, but now we need to talk about the United States. And in order to explore the U.S., we need to ask, what is the United States? Okay, test, test, here we are. Like, physically, what is the U.S.? I was recently at the Spark Christian Podcast Conference where I made a bunch of new friends. So, as you do when you make new friends, I decided to do an art project. Here, and I've got uh, two new friends sitting across the table from me. Can you all introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Savannah. Angel McCoy. Uh, Colleen. What, what's your show? Fitness at Houston's First. I'm Erin, and I do not currently have a show. Uh, I'm Danny, and I'm also with Fitness at Houston's First. You guys don't know what's about to happen. That's fun. It'll be fun. Uh, but I just want to ask you if you could draw a map of the United States. Draw Texas. I can draw Texas, right? Okay, so what's your strategy? Here's Florida. Uh, we're just doing a big old outline right now. So I'm starting with the um, contiguous U.S. <laughs> and um, working my way through Florida. Um, I started with drawing the outside of the, the outline of the contiguous U.S. and about to start drawing Alaska and Hawaii. <laughs> can you describe the basic shape of what you've drawn? The United States. <laughs> It is a rectangle with Texas, Florida, and Maine. It's a weird shape. It's a weird shape. It's a weird shape. Oh, and that's a good one. Mine's drawn to scale, so oh, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. So Texas is, is gigantic, <laughs> um, and then the rest of the U.S. is pretty small. I'm recording this in Texas, so there's going to be a lot of Texas pride, I think. Oh, yeah. I'd just like to point out that she put some uh, Great Lake Wiggles after I put some Great <laughs> Lake Wiggles. You are a trendsetter, and I noticed there's no Great Lakes no, in your. No, they don't exist to me, apparently. <laughs> So I, I know none of you guys drew Hawaii. Uh, Alaska. Or Alaska. Or Alaska. Yeah. Oh, no. So now you're drawing it in to try to make up for it. Absolutely. Yeah, Alaska is like, I think this is interesting that uh, this is the way I would have drawn the map uh, a few months ago before I started researching for this show. But um, nobody who I've, I've had do this has drawn the territories. I spent too much time internalizing the question. 
And then I was afraid I would forget a territory because I know there's Puerto Rico, Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yes. It was. Is that all of them? There, there's a whole bunch of them. I'm not feeling very intelligent right now, <laughs> so I don't know. I got to look this all up. Is it just the 50 states and the District of Columbia, or is the United States also Guam, American Samoa, Puerto Rico? What about the land under our embassies in foreign countries, our military bases? Yeah, I would not have drawn the territories until you started asking. Then it's like, oh man, I'm not right. Okay, what else? Today on the show and for the next few weeks, we're going to explore that question. What is the United States? If we're a Christian nation as some people say that we are, and as a lot of people say we aren't, we should probably know what the U.S. is. Get out your pencils and crayons. We're about to redraw the map. You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars in order to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and Counting, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption. Written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. Nine Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind-the-scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. Nine Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. I hope you're as excited as I am because I've been able to speak to some great authors this season. And for the next few episodes, you're going to hear from one of my favorites. I'm Daniel Imrovar. I'm an associate professor at Northwestern University outside of Chicago, and my book is called How to Hide an Empire, A History of the Greater United States. It's a great read, and my copy is just filled with highlights. In the book, if you can't tell by the title, he argues that we have this vision of the United States as being one tidy, clear-cut thing. 50 states, the District of Columbia, not much else. But... That's just not accurate. The United States is like a whole lot of countries in their heyday. Great Britain, France, Spain, Austria, Russia. The United States is actually an empire. And that just has to do with not what the quality of its foreign policy is, not really who it is in the sense of character, uh, but rather where it is on the map. You can explore this yourself and wow your friends at parties just by looking at a map. Because most people, when they call to mind a map of the United States, when they imagine what it looks like, um, they imagine that familiar shape. Oh, that shape. I mean, the U.S. is basically a rectangle with a strip of land going up in New England, another one going down on the southeast for Florida, and Texas is just kind of hanging out there on the bottom. I mean, how else do you describe that shape? Oh, and we have to include those two other states. Yes, Hawaii and Alaska, too. Hawaii and Alaska, too. Maybe in little boxes off to the side. But that's mainly the center of it. And the thing is that that's not actually a very good map of the United States. It's not a very good map now um, because it doesn't include places like Puerto Rico and Guam. Yes, Puerto Rico and Guam. We always forget about Puerto Rico and Guam. 
It certainly wasn't a very good map uh, earlier in U.S. history because it didn't include really large places like the Philippines. So what I tried to do in my book was to retell U.S. history in a remapped way to actually show it to you um, from a different perspective and show you all the places that are part of the United States and try to tell U.S. history that way. Not only is our understanding of the United States as it is today just not accurate, but it also does not reflect the past. The United States has been on an aggressive expansion campaign basically since its inception. The first day when the United States had its um, independence from Great Britain ratified, when the treaties had gone through and been signed by both sides, etc., um, the name of the country was the United States of America, and that suggests that it is a union of states. Uh, but by that day, the United States was no longer a union of states. It was well, it wasn't really a union because union suggests voluntarily entering into. Uh, it was an amalgam, and it was an amalgam of states and territories. Territories. This is the key word, the concept that makes this whole thing really sticky. Sure, the Founding Fathers got together and knocked out the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, and that group of men created a whole new country. They split from Britain and took with them not just people who wanted the new country, but also British loyalists, including a bunch of Christian pastors who preached that we should stay in the Union. Also dragged into this country, the native people who were here long before Europeans. And of course, enslaved people who had no say at all. The US was not just a bunch of states who agreed to this Union. I mean, you know this part, right? This is the stuff we cover in middle school. How we slowly took over Native American lands. It took a long time for that weird rectangle we're so familiar with to take shape. The, the, that's the map in 1854, after the United States, uh, you know, through a series of annexations and conquests and dispossessions of indigenous people, uh, sort of filled out that familiar shape on the North American continent. Uh, and 1854 is the year when the final treaty was ratified, and, and that's what the United States looked like. Not all of it was violently acquired. Through the Louisiana Purchase, we acquired a bunch of the center and southern end of the country from our old friend, Napoleon Bonaparte. Soutelor, my wars, they are so expensive. How am I going to pay for this? I am afraid our bake sale didn't go so well, sir. Have we pillaged? We have pillaged, sir. Have we plundered? Indeed. I will have to sell my booty hats. Or if I may be so bold, we could do a real estate deal. I am, how you say, listening? Sell our holdings in the new world. That would make us a lot of Benjamins. Mon Dieu! That's clearly not how it happened, but wouldn't it be great if it was? The Louisiana Purchase may not have been that silly, but at least it was peaceful. The country had expanded quite a lot, but there was a long way to go. Do you know how we got much of the Southwest? In the 1840s, we fought a war with Mexico to get Texas, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, and California. What we call the Southwest is about one-third of what used to be Mexico. A bunch of the states most embroiled in the immigration debate used to belong to Mexico, which we purchased or wrestled away from them through war. We could have taken more, too. People estimated at the time that we could have conquered all of Mexico. Instead, we took the parts that weren't heavily populated. 
According to Daniel, we took the parts where there weren't many brown people. John C. Calhoun, a senator who, no surprise, really dug slavery, said, We have never dreamt of incorporating into the Union any but the Caucasian race, the free white race. Mind you, this was not whispered in some parlor. This was on the Senate floor. Are we to associate ourselves as equals, companions, and fellow citizens? The Indians and mixed races of Mexico. Yeesh. You know, they're making a third Bill and Ted's movie. I hope they travel back in time just to slap that guy. No, that's not the godly thing to say. Okay, I hope Bill and Ted pair him with W.E.B. Du Bois and some hijinks ensue, leading, no doubt, to an enduring bromance. I don't think that's too much to ask. John C. Calhoun was not alone, not by a long shot. We invented a lot of shenanigans to keep people of color out of our country. Either consciously or unconsciously, people in territories as opposed to states are largely non-white. You and I have covered a lot of ground already. I mean, Mexico, the Louisiana Purchase, that's a lot of work to make that nice map we all remember from our elementary school classrooms. Here's the thing, though. That map was only accurate for three years. Only three years of that familiar shape. Everything in that weird rectangle thing except the District of Columbia would eventually become a state. Wyoming, California, Arizona, Texas, on and on, to form what we think of as the lower 48, the core of the country. That map that so many of us can draw with some degree of accuracy lasted for three years. We've been talking for a long time about how communism impacted Russia. In a few weeks, we'll start talking about how the U.S. responded to that movement. How, since the USSR was communist and atheist, the U.S. tied Christianity to capitalism. That may seem trivial, but our ties to capitalism have a huge impact. You can attend churches that preach the benefits of capitalism, that encourage their congregants to bring in so much money, have side businesses, or where a preacher will straight up push a product from the pulpit. Big oil gets tied to our faith, arts and crafts supplies, even chicken sandwiches. I'm not here to tell you if that's good or bad, but we are going to explore how, at least in the last 150 years, it came to be that capitalism, the US, and Jesus got tied together. Before we get there, I feel like we need to talk about what the US is. What it really is. Let me tell you a quick story. Last year, I was at the Podcast Movement Conference in August. My friend Eric and I were just two of a few Christians in a sea of podcasters. Because this show is about the church, I ended up having conversations with many people about the church, about Christianity. But something somewhat unexpected happened. Almost everyone I talked to about God also brought up the United States in one form or another. Politics, the president, a Christian company, some moment in history. There I was in this giant hotel talking about the most important thing in my life, my faith, and in order to share Jesus with my new friends, I had to also 
give compelling arguments for U.S. policies on foreign affairs, domestic laws, and apologize for the darkest moments in our history. There were all of these hurdles in the way of me sharing the gospel. And that isn't a new thing. It's happened throughout my adult life. Being tied to the U.S. isn't all bad. I mean, we've got great things like the national park system, access to public education, equal voting rights, freedom of speech, religion, and assembly. The trouble is that Christianity is also tied to U.S. history, murdering native people, slavery, gerrymandering. The purpose of this series is to expand our idea of what the United States is. It's all of those things, good and bad. In my personal ministry, that connection to the U.S. often slows down or inhibits my ability to share the gospel. It might be different for you. One more thing before we go, and this one is kind of difficult, but stay with me. People throughout the Bible are confronted with idol worship, which is putting anything else ahead of God. Money, statues made of stone and metal, Patriotism itself is not bad. Loyalty to a group is part of the human experience. But when that patriotism trumps our worship of God, we're in danger of worshiping an idea over the Creator. The purpose of this series is not to make us feel bad, but to add some depth and maybe to identify a few idols that we could be worshiping. Our actions to the rest of the world reflect back on the God we serve, for better or for worse. Because our aggressive expansion didn't stop with Manifest Destiny. At some point, after conquering from the Atlantic to the Pacific, all that stuff we learned in middle school, we looked out across the waves and said, huh, I wonder what's over there. We'll continue our story in the next episode. Special thanks to Daniel Immervar. His book is How to Hide an Empire. We'll be hearing from him in the next few episodes. Truce is listener supported. If you want to continue to stretch what's possible in Christian media, partner with me by donating even a little bit each month. If you do it on Patreon, you'll also get access to bonus materials not heard anywhere else, like updates on the show's progress from me or extra audio that I didn't use in the show. Learn more at trucepodcast.com. You can also follow us on social media at trucepodcast. My challenge to you this week is sign up for our email list. You'll get notifications about new episodes, links to our guests, access to our media fast curriculum, and so much more. Sign up on the website. And I've been saying this for the last few episodes, but this is largely a one-man operation. And there are ads on this show that provide a little bit of money, but not enough for me to do this full time. So I don't have time to research all of the companies that are advertised here. If that makes you uneasy, please send me an email at trucepodcast at yahoo.com and we'll start a conversation about it. Special thanks to those people who gave their voice to this show. They include Holland Webb from the Afterword podcast, Angel McCoy from Angel Reads the Bible, Colleen and Danny from Fitness at Houston's First, and Savannah and Aaron. You can see some of the drawings they did of the United States on the website and on our social media feeds. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce.
Before I let you go, I just want to remind you that I have a listener survey in your show notes and on the website at trucepodcast.com. If you would fill that out, it would really help me understand who's listening and how I can serve you better. So again, it's in your show notes right now or at trucepodcast.com. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.